The night we was doing the Bible study on a Wednesday, um, and on the way home I was in, like driving back, and you know just going mad and worshiping the Lord, and um, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me um, when I was worshiping Him, and I believe He said it's not always what I can do for you, but it's about what you can do for me also, you know, and um, it was such a blessing because. It's, it's. We really need to start understanding what the what the will of God is in our lives, you know. And when we seek that, that's going to please Him. And um, it really, it really started coming alive to me because I think the, the the main reason why the Holy Spirit's in us is for us to testify of of Jesus. Um, so I just want to go to uh, one Thessalonians. We'll go to a couple of scriptures, but. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, first, this, bless me, this did. So that's 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, and it says, By as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we're entrusted with the gospel, so like we're the best he's got, you know, to release the gospel, you know, so this is what we, this is what we need to be doing, you know. Um, even so, we speak not as pleasing to men, but God who tests our hearts. So it's not like sometimes we look at people and we think, yeah, they, they, these people need the gospel. But really, we're doing it for God. So we just, he comes first. It has to be in that order. And then when we put it in that order, that very nature just gives to people anyway. And you want to release to people the truth. Um, and then if we can go to 1 Timothy 2.3. I really believe God is talking to me here, but it's not just me. I mean, this is just f- for us, you know. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of, of God, our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and, and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. Now, this is the time where Jesus need, we need to testify of Jesus. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is in us for a lot of reasons, but I believe the main reason is that he's equipped in us to testify of the Son that came into the world for us and to present truth to the people that are lost. Um, finally, I just want to go to John seventeen twenty. If we can go there as well. Just to, just to finalise it. So this is when Jesus is praying for the believers. Praying for us, you know. So, he says, I do not pray for these alone. So he was obviously talking about the disciples there. But, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And that's where it's at. That is where it's at. It's, it's about seeking the, the will of God and getting hungry for the will of God. And I believe that when we're hungry for that will, and the will is to testify of him. And we need to preach the gospel to everywhere we go. Now... Once Jesus died, the disciples, they travelled the world, they preached the gospel. But once they die, who's it up to to preach the gospel? It's up to us. Yeah? 
So, and you know, I'm speaking for myself because I'm not, I'm not perfect. But the thing is, what we really need to do is to start opening our mouths, you know. And when we open our mouths, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. We're not alone. So when we open our mouths, the Holy Spirit will minister through us. So we need to be hungry for that and be hungry for spiritual gifts. Because he's going to give us these spiritual gifts. If we're hungry for it, we will get filled and he will give us that. And then we'll be going out into the world. We're not alone, but we've got the Holy Spirit in us. And it's, it's greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. So I just want to encourage everyone, you know, that it's, we're not just Christians just to turn up to church or say a few nice words to people during the week. We're, we're here to shine the light, you know. It's, um, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, you know. And, and that's the power that we have in us. And that's, I just wanted to speak of that because I feel like God's really nudging me with this, you know. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Bless you all. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Praise the Lord. Um, what struck me when Dan first told me the first that, about that, told me about that scripture that he, uh, he read out was in Thessalonians, that our service is a service to God. It's through God, it's upon us, but it's to God also. And it's a service to God. It's not a service to men, even though we love one another, we love the Lord, we love one another, that's clear in scripture, isn't it? But it's a service to God. What we've been given is a service to God, and I think that's really important, because it's not a, um, an earthly calling, but it's a heavenly calling. It's a heavenly calling. And we must have a p- right perspective on this. And, and, and I just pray the Lord will make adjustments in my own heart according to this heavenly calling, according to this life and how I live out my life on earth. Amen. I've, I've, had a, you know, I've had a bit of a struggle this week, um, like we all go through things, and um, <clears throat> we've all got our own stories, haven't we, in this area. But um, my, my son, a couple of days ago, woke up in the night and he couldn't, he couldn't breathe properly. You know, I'm not feeling too great, so bear with me this morning myself, you know, I've got a bit of a bad throat. Um, but he couldn't breathe and he woke up about 11.30 and he was like gasping for breath and... Um, we, we had to call the ambulance. We spoke to 911 and then they suggested that we call the ambulance. And um, in that meantime, I was just hugging him um, and I was, I was praying for him. You know, lots of different things happened in that process of time, though. Um, but um, I started hugging him and praying for him. But I didn't know what to pray. You know, the typical prayers sometimes aren't the right prayers. And I've began to realise this. Sometimes they are. It's according to how God deals with the situation through the Holy Spirit, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, but I, you know, there's only some, have you ever got stuck for words? It happens to me quite a lot. I go to pray and I think, what am I going to say? Am I alone? Thank God, I'm not alone. <laughs> Is it just me? No, it's not just you. You always sometimes think that when you stand there. You think you feel quite lonely. It's quite lonely, but I have a comforter with me. It's not Alan, no. It's just the Holy Ghost. So. Just to get that one straight, okay. Um, but um, where was I? Yeah. And I, and I thought, what am I going to pray? So I just started praying in tongues. And I think sometimes this gift is the most underestimated under, um, gift. It's a heavenly gift. And where we lack, he comes in. Where we can't articulate, where we get stuck for words. We start to speak sometimes out of our own understanding and we all start our prayers sometimes like that, you know. Um, But God takes over. 
when you begin to pray in tongues. And it's good to pray in tongues. When you get stuck or you feel a bit in the dumps or whatever, you feel like a bit, oh, I'm feeling a bit worldly today. You know, the moments you have, if we're honest with ourselves, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Yeah, your head doesn't have to be doing all the spiritual work, but it's your spirit that prays. It's your spirit that prays. And, and that's how things work. And I started to pray in tongues, and I was hugging my son, praying in tongues, and his, his breathing was subsiding, and he, was, he, you know, he felt better, and he started to get well. Um, and the, um, the ambulance men come, they come and sat in our house, and he was asleep at this time, and he was, he was a lot better. And he was breathing all right. There's a sense of the power and the presence of God come around, come around me. It's in my kitchen. And um, I, I, the guy sat down, and I sat down, and I just, I had, I just knew, I just knew that he was a Christian. Spirit-filled, born-again Christian. I knew he was a Christian. And I knew the geezer to the right of me, he wasn't. I get this a lot, you know. I could just tell. And I believe it's like Dan saying, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need a spirit of discernment. We need it. You know, I think sometimes we undervalue the gifts of the Spirit. We really do. And I've started to see the value so much in the gifts of the Spirit. So much. The gift of discernment is a special, special gift. It's a special gift. It's a wonderful gift. Um, And I knew this guy wasn't saved, and I started to... To talk to him, and I was thinking, right, I just wanted to say, you're a born-again Christian, what's going on? Rah, rah, rah. And, uh, and I kind of held my tongue a little bit. He was saying, oh, so what's, what's been going on like this? And we've been at, we were having a little chat, but I said, the best thing you could ever do is probably pray for someone. And he went, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And he's writing his notes, and he started freaking out, thinking, I can't believe he just said that. And he just stopped, and he goes, I can't go on now. <laughs> he goes, I've just lost my train of thought. It was like, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> and the guy sitting next to you, he's just, I don't know what's, he, what's going on with him. Um, but then I said to him, because I see his reaction, I was like, I, I, I knew it was right. It was just testing the water. Testing the water a little bit, you know? And I said, you're, you're born again Christian? He said, yeah, I am, yeah. Like this. Excited expression on his face. You know? And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. And, and, then, and then Donna ended up testifying, told him his, the other guy's testimony, and there was a big smile on the guy's face. He was thinking, yeah, go on, go on. Like this. And uh, we had a fantastic time in the middle of this crisis. In the middle of this crisis. And I look, people look at me. It's just mad. It's exciting. But I knew Isaac was going to be well. But there was an underlining purpose that was being worked out through it. I don't think the purpose was for, for Isaac was, was for him to be well, because that's not God's ultimate purpose. But underneath it all, there was a great blessing. Within it all, there's a great blessing. And sometimes we, can, we, we need to have the right eye in what we go through. And this, this, this comes to me in the week, is having the eye, having the eye for the blessing. Seeing the outworking of God in the emergency, there was a, a blessing being unfolded before my eyes. And it was wonderful, this, this thing. And this guy said to me, the, the guy that weren't saved was driving the ambulance, and the guy that was saved was sitting um, in the back with me and my son. And he started talking to me about the Lord. He was saying, oh, I love Jesus and all this. 
And I was thinking, no, this is wonderful. And he goes, it's amazing that we turned up now because this guy has been having people talk to him about the Lord for the last few weeks or so. I can't remember how many. And it says, we just so happened turned up at your house and you started testifying about this. I'm sitting in the back of the ambulance and talking about this thing. And I'm thinking, God, it's amazing. It's amazing. A few seconds ago, I was, really, I was panicking about this. And now it's turning into a wonderful event. I knew Isaac was going to be fine. I've got a conviction within me. And we need the conviction of the Holy Spirit within us. We can't have a superficial walk. We need it real. We need the genuine conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's lots of talk in the church and people know their Bibles and it's fantastic how people learn the Bible. But we need the genuine conviction of God within us. We need that genuine assurance to come into our heart by the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in the ambulance. And I was like, this is wonderful. So we went there, and then I, sp- and then I arrived there. I spoke to the doctor. We started, he got checked out. I was excited to come round. He was actually fine. And the doctor, he was a Pentecostal. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> the doctor. So I started talking to him about the Lord, and then I shared about his, 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 his uh, colleague who was, who was uh, graduating. You know, he was, she was observing to training to be a doctor, just about to graduate. And uh, I was saying, the Bible's a fantastic book. And I was thinking, God's given me another opportunity. <laughs> and listen to this. And on the way home, I had an opportunity to share with a taxi driver. He also was a Christian. And I could... I'm not joking. I got a chance to encourage him. And this is wonderful. This is the working of God. It's not the working of me. It's the working of God. If you have the right eye, you can see what God's doing. In your emergency, God is working out your blessing. In your emergency, God is working out your blessing. The problem is sometimes as Christians, we like to have everything under our control. We like to have it under control. But it's often when we're out of control, we see the hand of God move. It's when we don't know what's going on. We often see the working out of God in, in my life. It's when I'm uncertain, I find his certainty. Are you with me? It's amazing. And, you know, I thought I'd encourage you with that because we need the gifts of the Spirit. Because sometimes we can live in some a spiritual ignorance sometimes to certain things. Paul said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. He also said, he will distribute them as the Spirit wills. But he also said, eagerly desire them. It's okay to desire a spiritual gift. And that's all in 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 talks all about the spiritual gifts. And I'm just going to read through it, and then we're going to go from there. Okay? Now, concerning spiritual gifts, this is 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were when you you know that when you were Gentiles carried away carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Amen. But the manifestation of the Spirit 
is given to each one for those who profit all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, that's what I was talking about, to another different kinds of tongue, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one, the same Spirit, works all these things, distributing each one individually as he wills. Amen. And there we see the discernment of spirits, and we see the different, different um, functions that uh, these gifts bring um, on the body of Christ. And um, <clears throat> I think these are wonderful things. Wonderful things. I think sometimes there is a level of ignorance, if I'm brutally honest about it, but the good news is you can have them. And they work according to his goodwill. And I think that, see, all of this comes out as we go into 13, Paul is grounding this Corinthian church. And, and, and there's lots of issues with this Corinthian church at the time. It was, there was, a, it was a bit messy. The church in Corinth was a messy church. And um, Paul's kind of like coming from this chapter 12 where he's saying about the spiritual gifts. And he goes on in 13 about the grounding and the foundation in which all things work. Um, and he speaks, speaks about love. And that's that famous chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians um, where he says for if I speak in uh, tongues of men or in angels but do not have love I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm becoming a brass uh, symbol a clanging, a clanging gong if I have gifts of prophecy but un, uh, and understand all the mysteries of knowledge and I do not have a, and the faith that, that I could remove mountains but I do not have love I have nothing and he's basically saying I'm not going to read all of it because there's so much I could look into this morning but he's saying you can have all these wonderful gifts. And now in 13, he continues and says, but I want you to be grounded in them. I want you to have your foundations right so they can operate rightly in your life. I want you to have the right attitude towards what I'm going to give you so that you don't become prideful and think it's about you and your gifting. And there's sometimes there's a tendency of that. We, we think we're gifted or we, th- we have this call of God and it, it becomes about us. It becomes about my call. This is my call. You know, and the wrong attitude comes into our hearts. We need to be careful of these things. Paul, Paul is saying, you can have all these gifts, and he goes through the list of gifts, but then he's grounding them in 13. He's saying these work by love, these work via love, through love. Love is the platform in which these things stand upon and work and operate to the church. He's not saying don't have them, he's saying have them, but let them operate right. Let them be right in your lives. Let them be to edify one another. Let them to be to build up. And he talks about the edification. And that's when he talks about speaking in tongues to interpretation. He's talking about you want it to so that it can build people up if you have an interpretation. And then he talks about prophecy is good. It encourages and builds up the body. He's interested in building one another up, loving one another, caring for one another. You can see that there. You can see Paul's heart that he's outlining these truths to the Corinthian church. And he's making them strong in the way of love. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 6.19. I feel very blessed this morning. God's good, isn't he? 6.19. 
You see, I believe the Lord wants to put a strong foundation into your life. It has to be a, a, a firm thing we stand on as Christians. And we'll go through that in just a second because it's, uh, it's important to how we live out our life on earth before we go to be with him in glory. Amen. And there's something waiting for us in glory. And that's the wonderful truth. Do we live for this earthly realm or do we live for the heavenly one to come? Christians, I want you to live for the age to come. That's where it's at. And that's where the fruitful life is down here. Now the kingdom's here. It's within us. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come. But there's a kingdom to come. There's a great kingdom to come. Amen. And do we live for that kingdom to come? And this is the thing. Look, at, look what Jesus says here. Jesus says in, in Matthew six nineteen, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. 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 And I believe this is one of the the keys to a grounded Christian life. It's the living for the eternal investment. The eternal investment. And I think this is the major crisis with the church as a whole, I'm talking about, today. We hear so much prosperity gospel. I think it's tragic its focus is wrong. It's on the things of earth, not the things of heaven. It's the things of heaven that are the most important things in this world, in this life. It's, the, the thing, it's not the things on earth. They decay and they rust and they fade. But it's the spiritual things, the things that are everlasting to everlasting. There's, a, there's an eternal investment that the Christian should be making into the bank of heaven into the bank of heaven. As Jesus says, these things rust and they decay. They have a time clock. They run out. They expire. They fade away. They corrode. They waste. But he has a treasure for us. It says here, where no one can destroy. It says where neither moth nor rust, there will be no decay in other words. And where your treasure is, your heart will be. Your heart will be. In other words, you will chase these things where your treasure is. If it's here, you will run for them. You will go for them. You will live out of them. And there's a strong possibility you'd be disappointed in them. You'll be disappointed in them. Because they won't last. They won't last. They won't last. This is not... This is the truth. They, they don't last. These things of the world don't last. But the things of the kingdom to come, they last. Amen. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 3 5. Let's just go there. We're going back to Corinth. Now, the problem is with the church in Corinth at the time, there were divisions, and that was one of the main issues in the church there, divisions. There were issues of order. People were just doing whatever they felt like doing. 
And one of the main things was um, this division was coming from people following men, other people. It says here in chapter 3, let's start from verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there is strife, for envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm, I'm of Paul, and the other says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who then is Apollos? But ministers through you have believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then never, neither he who plants is anything, nor he that waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building, according to the grace of God which has been given to me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Let each one take heed of how he builds, how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds a foundation um, on with sorry with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of whether what sort, of what sort it is. For anyone's work which, is, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as so through fire. And then it goes on to saying, do you not know that you are the temple? You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he continues and continues and continues. Um, <clears throat> so Paul is, making, is outlining something here. There were people within the church that were, were upholding the man. And they were missing the major plan of God. They were upholding Apollos. They were looking to Paul. And Paul was saying here, there's a danger there's a great danger that you're going to start building on these mortal men. And then he goes on to say, as we've just read, but the foundation has been laid. The foundation has been laid. That is Jesus Christ. He is the great foundation of our lives. We must build on the right foundation. There's so much today, there's so many preachers, there's so many ministries, there's so much on the internet, there's so many good teachers and some of them are fantastic. They're doing great work. I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you as it is. There's so much and there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of iffy stuff here. But we cannot build on these things. You must build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. It's important. People get blown around all over the place because there's so much information. They're coming from all over the place. But they don't even read his word. They'd rather look through the TV. Look at the God TVs and, you know, there's some good stuff on there. But we have to be sure of the foundation that is in our lives. What are we building on? What are we building on? 
And how do we build? We are the temple of God, so you are all part of that building. We've been built up together on that foundation that is Christ Jesus. And it says here, like I've just wrote, read, it will be tested, the day of the Lord is a day at the judgment seat of Christ. Now let's be clear about this. It's not a judgment um, based upon your salvation if you're a Christian. Okay? You're saved by the blood of Jesus. But there is a judgment for the Christian. There is a judgment for the Christian. And it's rather a reward or a loss of a reward. That's the judgment for the Christian. It's either a reward or the loss of a reward. But it has to go through the fire. All the things we do and all the life that we live out, it will go through the fire. It will go through the fire and if we've built on a man or the man of God and, you know, there's some fantastic ministers, but if we build on men, in other words, like he's saying here, if we build on men, and we get swayed by different ideas and different ideologies and we build on the wrong thing, there's a chance it could go up with a puff of smoke. And that's the truth. I say this with love. I say this with love in my heart. I stand in the truth here. It can go up with a puff of smoke. And what you've invested in, what you thought was so fantastic, could just go. But if you build on the foundation of the Lord, it will stand the test of time. It will stand the test of time. It's an important thing. What we do with the right attitude and with the right motives and the right foundation echoes into eternity. Echoes into eternity. And when it's there, when we go from this life to the next, it's set. It's set. It's based upon this life that God's given us. And how we live out that blessing that he's, he's freely given to us all things in Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. And we can build on the right foundation now. We can build a secure life. Where it won't waste away and things won't decay. We're, we're investing into the age to come. And I believe this will encourage you through your walk as a Christian. That your life is not built on the bricks and mortar and the things that are futile. Because the danger is, if you do build on these earthly things, you'll be dreadfully disappointed when they're taken from you. You live in discouragement as a Christian. You put all the weight of responsibility and all the things within the things that are temporary and not the things that are eternal. You may be saved, but I want to walk into a reward. And that's heaven's reward. When you hear a lot of this prosperity preaching, it's all right now, here and now, you get everything, you sow this, I'll get a car and all this. That's not what I read in the New Testament. It's not what I read as a whole in the New Testament. You can check out the verses for yourself. The foundation is the key here. It's not men, but it's him. It's not men, but it's him. We ultimately serve him. Don't we? Amen? Amen. Matthew 19. Let's read Matthew 19.
Now, just to give you a quick, quick little bit of background here to where we are, is that Jesus has just um, spoke with the rich young ruler. And you know the story, he had a bit of trouble understanding what Jesus had demanded of him um, because of his wealth, because his materialistic love he had in his heart for his riches. And let's just go down to 29, because it follows down. I'm not going to read all of that before, but in 29, this is nine, Matthew 19, 29. And it says here, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the first, uh, sorry, and the last will be first. So I believe here Jesus gives us an idea, an indication here of how this reward, this heavenly reward works out. And I believe it's by the way of sacrifice. It's by the way of sacrifice. It's what people have given up for the sake of the call. I believe that translates into reward in heaven. And I, I, can hear, I can almost hear people saying, well, do we live for rewards? Do we live for reward? Well, ultimately, we live for love. But within the Bible, I see that that's where the encouragement is coming from. I see there's an encouragement saying to us, there's a reward to come into There's a crown of righteousness given to us on that day. Run the race. Have your heart, have your mind fixed on them things to come in, on them things to come. So this is an encouraging word for you. It's to get your mind and your heart right. To get the perspective right. There's something that we're investing into. And what a day that will be. And God distributes the reward to the saints. Amen. Amen. But it's by the way, I believe, primarily, it's the way of sacrifice to do what he's called us to be and do. Amen. I believe um, what you value determines how you live. What you value Echoing just what, what Jesus just says. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What you value. What you value in your heart. In Colossians it says, uh, have your mind for things above. Have your mind for the things above. Have your mind for the things to come. And this is what the early Christians, how the early Christians got through such persecution because of what they will enter into. Of what they will enter into. Not into this life, because everything was taken from them. Everything was taken from them. The early Christians were for horrific things. But I want to take you to a scripture here. It's in Hebrews, Hebrews 10.34. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. See if I can find it. Hebrews 10, 
34. Now, Paul's talking about his tri- the tribulations, okay? Um, what he went through here. And it says here, he's saying to a group of Jews, Jewish Christians, um, he's talking about the hard things him and his companions faced. And he says in 34, For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now that doesn't sound like the prosperity messages we hear today, does it? But he's saying, don't give up. You're going through it, I know. But take heart. Take hold of what I'm telling you. There's a heaven. There's a reward. There's a place to come. And you have an enduring possession. An enduring possession in heaven. And I believe that was the, 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 the motivation and, and, and the endurance, how they managed to endure through such harsh persecution. Because they had their eyes on the heavenly prize, not on the earthly one. And I believe this is the key to those who continue and those who give up. People give up easily. And we've all got a tendency to give up in ourselves and think, oh, it's falling apart, it's all going wrong. It's not working out the way I thought and I planned. But here, we see in this text, he's saying there's an enduring possession that will not fade, that will never be wasted, that is fixed for eternity. For all of eternity, it's going to be there for you. This, this life is like a blink of an eye. One minute we're here, it's like a vapour, it says in the Bible. A vapour. It's here one minute and gone the next. But here, he's saying, let's get your focus right. You can get through this. Lift your eyes up to what you're going to come into. Amen. This here, I believe, is the key to endurance. I say it many times in Scripture in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews. It says that Jesus endured, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. In other words, he could see. He could see past what he was facing. God's working it all out. Amen? It's all coming together. He's got a great big plan. You're involved with it. And it's a wonderful, glorious plan. And there's a wonderful reward for the saints at the end of it. Amen? I really do believe that those who live the most meaningful life are those who are most aware of eternity. Of eternity. Seeing it with God's perspective, with his heart, with his mind. He loves us so dearly. He doesn't want us to be, feel like we're being robbed on earth because we've faced things and things may seem like They're not going our way. We live with disappointments. We live with all different kinds of things. But there's something much greater for you to enter into. Much greater than anything this world could ever offer. Ever offer. It's far greater. It's incomparable to what God wants to give you. So have a single eye to the things of heaven. Amen.
Don't mull around on earth. I know it's easier said than done because we all have our struggles. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying it's possible. I'm giving you the key out, the way out. It's a wonderful truth that we've got here. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Amen.